Amen. I'll read down through verse 17 of chapter 8. If you'd follow along in your Bible as I begin reading Romans chapter 7, verse 24. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemns sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together." Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we rejoice today that we have access to your word. What a blessing that is. And Lord, we pray for those around the world that do not have access, that you would open doors of opportunity for them. But Lord, we pray now that you would open our hearts and minds to the truths that you have for us today. Lord, we need your spirit to do the ministering, and we look to you now in Jesus' name, amen. It's always interesting to me to um, see post-game interviews of players and coaches, 
And oftentimes you'll see an interview with a player and they'll say, well, our coaches just had a terrific game plan and um, we just followed that and everything turned out well. It's amazing when you see the technology and all that goes into game planning for various events anymore. But in understanding the game plan, if you please, that God has given to us for this life, it's very important that we understand that God does have a game plan, and if we follow it, things will turn out okay. If we don't, it won't. And it's understanding, um, maybe we should call it the war plan rather than the game plan, because this isn't a game that we're in. All these other things are just games. But this is literally war. And the first thing you have to realize is the enemy that we have within us. We couldn't read all of the context, but in Romans chapter 7, Paul is talking about the flesh and we're bound to the law and the law is given to show us that we are sinners, that we need Christ. And he said in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. In understanding our old nature, our nature that we are born with is a sin nature. And there is nothing good that dwells within us. Everything that our nature does is self-centered and self-interest. And you might say, well... um, I was, or I know people that are very good and, and they haven't come to Christ. Still, their goodness is motivated by self. In us, that is in our flesh, dwells no good thing. And we have an enemy that dwells within us that really is bent on taking us the wrong direction. In Romans chapter 8, where we read earlier in verse 7, or if you back up to verse 6, to be carnally or fleshly minded, controlled by the flesh, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But notice verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, Neither indeed can be. Notice what it says about our basic nature. The fleshly mind is at enmity. It is against God. And it is not subject to the law of God. In other words, here's the law of God. Our basic nature rebels against that. It is not subject to the law of God. And then he adds this. And it never will be. Neither indeed can it be. It's not like if I put this old nature in a certain environment, we can get it to be subject to the law of God. No. If we teach it various things, just the teaching won't change it. 
That is what dwells within us, our old nature. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It is spiritually dead. It is an enemy of God. It cannot submit to Christ. It cannot please God. And in and of, left to itself, it is headed to an eternal death. That's the enemy within us. And for sake of illustration, we're going to let this side of the platform um, represent our old nature, our flesh. We are at enmity against God. It is not subject to God. It cannot be subject to God. And so we're, we're in a mess as individuals. But thankfully, there's Jesus Christ. We, we sang the song, It is well with my soul. And in that, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Here's our flesh, our nature, we're we're full of sin, separated from God, and God sent his Son to bear our sin and take our death and take our guilt and our punishment. And he bore that in our place. And he offers to us forgiveness of sins and spiritual life. It's not of anything that we have done It is all by the grace of God. And in doing that, when when we come to understand and, and respond to the working of God's grace in our life, he then says that we are given his spirit and we have new life. Bible terms are born again, we are redeemed, bought back from our sin. It doesn't mean the old flesh changes. It now means that we have freedom in Christ. Freedom means there is an opportunity to choose. Freedom is the privilege to do what is right. Do you understand we, we had no privilege to do what is right. But once we receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but now walk according to the Spirit. We actually have the opportunity now to choose. Am I going to obey the flesh or am I going to obey the Spirit? Until a person receives Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they are, they are in bondage to sin. They can't do anything but sin. 
But once we receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, now we still have the flesh that is not subject to the law of God, but now we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, and this is where the battle really begins. Turn, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. And notice verse 11. Paul is writing to Timothy. And 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things. He's listed some works of the flesh. Flee these things. And pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Notice what he says. Fight the good fight of faith. Let me, let me just read to you a sentence that is in, um, in the chapter of how people change that you'll be going over this next Wednesday night. This is what he says. God calls us, and listen to these terms that are used. God calls us to wrestle, to meditate, to watch, to examine to fight, to run, to persevere, to confess, to resist, to submit, to follow, and pray until we have been transformed in his likeness. Now, is that something you say, yeah, that I'm all in for that. I'm all in for getting in a good fight and wrestling, and meditating, and examining, and persevering, and resisting, and submitting. I'm, I'm all about that. No, we're not. But do you understand, this is what the Christian life is made of. Jordan, could you come here just a minute? <clears throat> Here's Jordan. He's... um. Born into this world as a sinner, but he's trusted Christ for the forgiveness of his sins. So he wants to walk in the Spirit. He's in the flesh, but now he's trusted Christ as his personal Savior. And every day he can think thoughts of the Spirit or thoughts of the flesh. I am going to represent his old nature. Okay? Jordan thinks, you know what? I need, to, I need to get up this morning and read my Bible. And he starts going there, and I say, No, Jordan, sleep. You've got a busy day ahead of you. You need all the sleep you can get. Jordan thinks, you know what? I haven't been, I'm just making this stuff up, okay, Jordan? Jordan thinks, I haven't been obeying my parents very well. I need to start obeying. No, your parents, what are you talking about? You're way better than a lot of those other kids out there. And honestly, your parents are a little strict and a little mean to you sometimes. And you know, do you understand? In order 
for Jordan to walk in the Spirit, what does he have to do? you got to fight me. Knock my hands off there. Knock them off. Harder than that. Come on. Hit. It, notice the terms we said. It's wrestle. It's fight. It's meditate. It's examine. He needs to examine himself. Is this a thought of me or a thought of the Spirit? So he's thinking, my little brother, I could just pound him into the ground. Is that a thought of me or the Spirit? Well, that's pretty basic, right? But do you understand? It's natural for us to think these thoughts. They just spring up. They just naturally spring up. Oh, there's two pieces of brownies left. One's big, one's small. I'll take them both. No one will know the difference. You thought we were going to take the big one, right? Nobody's up yet. I'll take them both. And It's natural to do things like that. To walk in the Spirit. It is a fight. It is a battle. It is something that we continually... And so he has to battle. If he wants to walk in the Spirit, come on, you got to battle me. Push me away. It doesn't matter. I'm not your pastor now. I'm the old flesh, okay? (laughs) And do you understand? The old flesh is relentless. The old... Some of you are saying, man, I wish I had a chance to get up there and battle. (laughs) I can see it. Your faces tell a lot, okay? But the old flesh is relentless. It never quits. It is not subject to the law of God, and it will never be. And we need to get in our mind that all my life is going to be a battle. Thank you, Jordan. You can sit down, okay? The Christian life is war. We cannot live with a peacetime mentality, with pursuing rest or retreat or spiritual relaxation. Ephesians 6, he says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to to withstand in the evil days. Why? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. There's not, you don't literally have somebody pulling you back. And so we don't understand that. We don't realize But it is every step forward for Christ is a contested step. But the good thing is that Christ has given us everything we need for this battle. And we want to just quickly mention some of the weapons of victory. This is the game plan, the weapons that God has given us. First of all, we've already mentioned it, it's Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says, Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. The devil in John chapter 10 and verse 10, it tells us that the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Look around in the world today. Look at your own life. Satan's works are coming. They're trying to steal our joy. They destroy relationships, and ultimately he seeks to kill. That's the work of the flesh. That's the work of the devil. Jesus Christ came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. 
So he came to give us life. In John chapter 10, in verse 28, he says, Those that have received me, that God holds them in his hand, and he is greater than all. Now understand, we face an formidable foe, but God is greater than all. And he holds us in his hand. So he's given us Christ to give us life, but then to lead us. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he's given us his spirit. This morning in our men's class downstairs, we talked about our conscience and the spirit of God. It's the spirit of God that worked upon our heart to bring us to salvation. And now the spirit of God... As Jordan was here, as a believer, the Spirit of God prompts you to do things. Pray for so-and-so right now. Write so-and-so a card. Get up and read your Bible. Put away that thought from you. This is what you need. The Spirit of God, He gave it. It's our personal instructor. Every child of God, everyone that has come to Christ... The Spirit of God dwells within him. In in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, he said, If you don't have the Spirit of God, you don't belong to God. It's not like you get saved one day and maybe a week later or a month later or ten years later you get the Spirit of God. No, the Spirit of God dwells within you the moment you receive Christ as your personal Savior. And he's there to teach us. And so here I am. I was in the flesh, but now I've trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, and the Spirit of God is to teach me. Yep, this is the way to go. No, this is not. Yes, this is what I want you to do. No, this is not. And he's there to teach us. That's why it's so important that we must obey the Spirit. It does, it does no good to just be taught if we don't implement it, if we don't obey it. The Spirit of God teaches us. But He's given us the weapon of victory, not only Jesus Christ and the Spirit, but the Word of God. You shall know the truth, John eight thirty two. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth is God's Word. And we must saturate in the Word of God. And as I read the Word of God, the Spirit of God will make application in my life. If I were to say one reason why many, many Christians do not walk in victory, it's because we ignore the Word of God in our life. It's minor in our life. It's a habit. It's not that we're hungering and thirsting after the Word. And because of that, we don't know the truth, so we believe lies. Satan is the father of lies. Everything Satan does is a lie. And, and because we're not in the Word, and, and I mean not just reading a verse a day or, or that, I mean getting in the Word so that when the, in the battle, we can do just like Jesus did. When he was tempted, what did Jesus do? He said, it is written. And he quoted Scripture and he dismantled the temptations that Satan brought to him. 
if we if we would saturate in the word and know the word and use it and lord willing tonight we're going to we're going to give specific thorns that come in our lives and how we ought to respond to them the tools god has given for example when when you legitimately have been offended when someone has brought an offense to you into your life how do you respond we need to know the word of god so we can say this is what god's word says i should do and as you take that step of obedience the spirit of god gives you the grace to walk in the power of god he's given jesus christ he's given the spirit he's given the word of god and it's imperative that we we get it into our lives we don't have time to go into it, but he's given a local church to be an instrument to help us, to, to help us see our sin, to help us learn to love, to help us, uh, as he said in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, the church is the pillar and ground of truth. It, it is to adorn truth. The pillar was, was made to hold up a building, but it was made to make it look beautiful as well. It was to adorn truth, and it is the ground of truth. It is the foundation, and it is to make truth um, desirable by living it out of our lives. So it is, these are the game plans, Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, the church, and then crying out to God. Many times in our lives we're in this, and Paul said, I'm in, I'm in a, a confused state. I have a desire to do this, but this is what I end up doing. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. And the things that I do want to do, I don't do. And he said, oh, and he cried out, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this conflict? this war that's going on in my soul. When's the last time you literally just cried out to God and said, God, I need you. We're torn. We're pulled. The Christian life is not a, is not a, a nice little ride down a smooth little hill into the lake of peaceful paradise. It's not that. It's war. And, and it's coming and saying, God, I need you. The psalmist said, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. I honestly believe many people aren't experiencing the war because Satan sees him as no threat. I mean, if, if, if your team's playing a team in basketball, and you know number 10 on the other team has not made a basket all year, are you going to waste somebody guarding him? There's some teams that are that bad, you know what I mean? So why why mess with them? Let them stand out there and run in circles and say, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. His own team won't even throw him the ball. And many times as Christians, we're no threat to, to Satan's cause. Why? Because we're living here. The reality is, as you take a step for Christ, there's going to be battle, there's going to be war, and we need that dependence where we cry out to Him. And let me just mention one other weapon that God's given us. It's the the tool of thanksgiving. 
in everything give thanks. You will be amazed the victory that will come in your life when you say, God, I don't understand necessarily why this has come into my life, but I want to thank you for allowing it, and I want to ask you to use this in my life. Do you understand? As we walk in the Spirit, victory is guaranteed. Those that walk in the flesh, Romans chapter 8, and I I encourage you, go back and read Romans 6, 7, and 8. I mean, master those chapters. There's so many truths that are, are brought out here. But he's saying the same power that raised up Jesus Christ from the dead is the same power that dwells within us. So it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm, I just can't get victory over this. No, there is victory. Greater is he. First John chapter 4 and verse 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You understand, the more difficult the fight, the sweeter the victory. I mean, those are sweet, sweet victories when, when in overtime you make the last second shot or make the move that gives you the win at the last second and, and all your energies were just poured out. That makes the victory even sweeter. And in understanding, God will win the battle for us if we show up for the fight. Sad to say, too many times we're not showing up for the fight. The date was December 7th, 1941, and out of the clear blue sky, swarms of growling aircraft descended suddenly all over Pearl Harbor. Ships erupted into flames, billows of oily black smoke ascended, and within those ships men died without a moment's warning. Aboard the cruiser, the New Orleans, a chaplain named Howell Forgey helped a group of crewmen break into the locked ammunition storeroom on the ship so they could mount a defense. Once Chaplain Forgey and the other men got inside, they discovered that the hoist, ammunition hoist, that would raise it up to the deck was out of commission. So Chaplain Forgey and the other men formed a human chain, like a bucket brigade, passing heavy artillery shells from one man to another up to the gun deck. The shells were heavy and the work was very, very hard and discouraging. It was carried out amidst the smell of smoke and the sound of human screams and roaring planes and exploding bombs. Chaplain Forgey saw that some of the men's arms were weakening. Their faces showed signs of hopelessness. So he pasted a broad smile on his face and he slapped the back of the man next to him and he shouted, Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition! Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition! 
This story was later retold and the chaplain's words became the opening lines of a popular wartime song that lifted the spirits of an entire nation. You understand we're in a similar situation today. We're under heavy spiritual and moral attack and the devastation of this war around us is rife. It's everywhere. In our society, in our government, in our universities, in our entertainment, in our families, in our churches, in our own lives. And there may be wounded people all around us. And we may be wounded pierced by the fiery arrows of the enemy. But victory is guaranteed in Christ. And we need to learn to show up for the fight, our own personal fight of not walking in the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. He that walks in the flesh is dead, but he that walks in the Spirit is life. Here's the amazing lie that Satan has got us to believe, that walking in the flesh is living. Oh, man, go party, go do all this. Man, that's really living. No, that's dying. That's death. You walk in the Spirit. This is life. And in our own personal lives, to... Use the weapons God gives us to walk in the Spirit, to show up daily and moment by moment in the fight in our own personal lives, and then to get involved in the lives of others and praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. It's not praying that there's no fight. It's stepping up to the fight and battling it. I am no longer going to believe the lies of Satan and walk in the flesh. I'm no longer just going to look out there and shake my head and criticize it. I'm going to do something about it. And the first thing is, I am going to walk in the Spirit so that I personally do not fulfill the desires and demands of the flesh. This flesh is very demanding. This flesh is very deceitful. This flesh is very crafty. And all of us have been deceived by it, and we need to come back and say, nope, no longer. I am going to walk in the Spirit, but I do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There is a traitor that's living within you that wants to destroy your life. It's the old flesh. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Heavenly Father, I pray today for believers, that maybe we've been looking for rest, we've been trying to avoid the battle, maybe some have grown weary of the battle. Lord, I pray today that we would have renewed desire and commitment to not walk in the flesh and whatever it takes to battle that, that Lord we would use the weapons you've given us and that we would know the victory of you. I pray for individuals here today that maybe have never received Jesus Christ and they don't have 
the choice of who they will submit to. But Lord, help them to see that if they call upon the name of you for the forgiveness of sins, that you give them life. Lord, would your spirit truly find in us hearts sensitive, receptive, and obedient to your promptings. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would truly find in us hearts eager to do whatever it takes to walk in obedience to the spirit, to walk in victory. Lord, we plead your mercies. We ask that you would be honored through our lives in the victory of your spirit that we submit to. For we pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen.